You are listening to Viking 360, a podcast that is dedicated to Ripley High Athletics. It's episode two of Viking 360, Mike Rubin and Brian Johnson, and we are very excited to bring you another great week of Viking news and interviews. This week, I'm going to wrap up a historic playoff win by the Vikings, and I'll look forward to another big matchup in round two of the Class AAA state playoffs for the Vikings. It's only the third time in school history that we've been this deep into the playoffs. Rube, what do you have for us this week? Well, Brian, I'll have a conversation with a Viking assistant coach who has some fatherly advice and also he played his college football in the southeastern conference and in the where are they now segment it's really no secret where he is because you see him every friday night on the tv sportscast all right rube thanks and after that let's get right into it Wrapping up round one of the Class AAA state playoffs, the Vikings with a convincing victory over the Greenbrier East Spartans on Friday night at Death Valley Memorial Stadium, which proved to be the final game at Death Valley this year, regardless of what happens. They uh, will be on the road from this point forward, and uh, the Vikings got the scoring underway quickly in the first quarter at the 839 mark. Cyrus Casto completes a 79-yard touchdown pass to Dalton Myers. Davis and Flint's extra point kick was good, and the Vikings at that point led 7 to nothing. Just a little under two minutes after that, the Vikings a quick three and out with the Spartans, and the Vikings get it back. Jeremy Harper takes this one in from 60 yards away for the touchdown. Davis and Flint's extra point kick was good, 14 to nothing. At that point, the Vikings felt like they were in complete control of this ball game. And then the tide turned quickly late in the first quarter with four seconds remaining. Marion Lawson from one yard out barrels his way into the end zone for the touchdown. They go for two as Kyle King, the quarterback, converts the two-point conversion. And at the end of the first quarter, it was 14-8 Vikings. After a couple of back-and-forth punting possessions by both teams, Greenbrier East back on the scoreboard at the 7:08 mark in the second period. That's Jalen Battle from 20 yards out. Getting into the end zone, the extra point kick from Hunter Webb was good, and just like that, Greenbrier East was on top 14 or 15 to 14 rather over the Vikings. Again, quick turnaround for the Vikings at the 5:14 mark in the second period. A pass completion from Cyrus Castro to Evan King went for 81 yards in the touchdown. As the big plays continue to pile up for the Vikings in the first half of this one, Flint's extra point was good, and it was 21 to 15 at that point. Just three and a half minutes later in the second period, Jeremy Harper again, this time from 35 yards out, goes in for the Viking touchdown. And the two-point conversion run by Cyrus Casto was good, and the Vikings led it 29-15 to at the break. In the third period, more than halfway through the third period, Jeremy Harper again into the end zone, this time from five yards out. And Davison Flint's extra point kick was up and good, and it was 36-15. to And also, late in the third period... In to score again, the Vikings, Jeremy Harper, or excuse me, R.J. Evans this time from eight yards out, his first touchdown of the night, and the extra point from Flint was good, and the scoring ended at that point as the Vikings run over top of Greenbrier East by a final score of 43 
215. The Vikings piled up 424 yards of total offense on only 35 plays. That's 12.1 yards per play. 207, 207 yards of those through the air as the Vikings, their highest completion percentage of the season, four out of five passing. They averaged 51.8 yards per play. Vikings with 217 on the ground and only 30 rushes. That's 7.2 per carry. And also the Vikings penalized five times for 55 yards. And one punt for Davison uh, Flint was an average of 39 yards per punt. And the Vikings racked up 14 first downs in that ball game compared to 19 from Greenbrier East. Third down conversions, the Vikings 5 of 8. 62.5%, and they were one of one on fourth down. Rushing on the night, Jeremy Harper led the way with eight carries for 117 yards. That's 14.6 per carry. And RJ, 14 carries for 78 yards. That's 5.6 per carry. Leading receivers for the Vikings, Dalton Myers had two receptions for 107 yards. That's 53.5 per reception. And Evan King, one reception for 81 yards. You can do the math on that one, 81 yards per catch. So a big night for the Vikings offensively, doing a lot of things well. Defensively also limiting a Greenbrier East team um, to a uh, paltry offensive night for them with only 289 yards of total offense on 63 plays. That's 4.6 per play, and you have to give – Coach Sayers' defensive side of the football, a lot of credit. They came ready to play. They also held Greenbrier East to 5 of 13 on third down. That's 38.5%. So if you're able to do that this week, you got to feel pretty good about your chances up at Musselman against the Appleman. But to wrap up this one, we will sit down with one of the Vikings seniors and get his thoughts about the first-round playoff victory and what's ahead for the Vikings. Sitting down with Viking senior Caden Keeler, uh, one of the captains on this team, and you guys had an impressive showing uh, last Friday night against Greenbrier East. You knew coming into that game, uh, you had a little sly grin on your face all week, and it seemed to me like you knew something that everybody else didn't know, and it showed itself Friday night. Uh, yeah, I felt like the first time we played them, you know, we went up there 28-26. We had to ride the bus three hours to go up there and play them, and I, I felt like we played a game that really wasn't our A game. We didn't play to the best of our ability, and I felt like after watching film that they had played a really good game, and I knew that if we came out and played our A game, we would definitely win the game. Talk about the environment, the first home playoff game here in uh, 16 years. The weather wasn't great, but the Viking Nation showed up. And uh, t- talk about what kind of a boost that gave you. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, all week, really, you could just feel the energy in the school and uh, out in public, eating places, people asking me about the game. You could just really tell that the whole town was really excited to watch us play a home football game. So you moved to round two now, and the energy level ratchets up even further. You guys have a, a long bus trip to Musselman this week, and, uh, uh, you know, the narrative, like I talked to Coach Smolder around the state, when you listen to people talk, it's almost like this team's head and shoulders better than us. I don't think anyone in this locker room feels that way. Oh, yeah. we. Uh, I, I personally like it, and I know a lot of guys like when people count us out. It just gives us a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. We know that we can play football with this team if we come out and uh, play hard and uh, execute what we're taught and coached to do. 
Caden, how much fun has it been senior year? You're almost, uh, I mean, it's coming to a close. Hopefully you got a few more games to go, but uh, like Coach Mulder told me earlier, you guys just don't want this season to end, and that's why he felt like you guys performed so well. Oh, yeah, that's one thing we talked about was just we wanted another week to practice and play the game. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been a super fun year. I can't even imagine uh, – I can't imagine a better ending for my senior year and the rest of the seniors. State championship? Uh, yeah, that's what we're going to try to do. Got to win Friday to get there first. Play them one at a time. Thanks, Caden. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Brian. This is the first ever matchup between the Vikings and the Appleman, so let's take a quick look at the history of Musselman High School. Back in the 30s, the only school that existed on the south end of Berkeley County was Bunker Hill High School. That school was overrun with students and the need for another school was clear to everyone. At that time, the Board of Education was unable to provide the funding necessary to make this happen. A few years later, a local businessman and his wife, Mr. and Mrs. C.H. Musselman, who owned and operated the Musselman Apple Processing Plant in Bunker Hill, provided the land to build the school. They also took it a step further when they used their current employees to help build the school while paying for their labor. The first year the school operated without chalkboards, lockers, pencil sharpeners, or even a mascot. In its first year of operation, the school had a marching band, football team, basketball teams, as well as a school newspaper called the Cider Press. The original mascot chosen for the school was the Dragons, and the football team wore borrowed burgundy-colored uniforms from nearby Stonewall Jackson High in Virginia. Then head coach and principal Mr. Kenneth Waldeck held a contest in the 50s for students to choose their new school colors and the mascot. At that time, it was decided to honor the generosity of the Musselman family by selecting the mascot as the Appleman, with the school colors being Kelly Green and White, with a splash of red. And the rest, as they say, is history. In recent history, the Appleman have become a mainstay in the Class AAA state playoffs, with this marking their fourth consecutive appearance and their third straight year inside the top five. Last week, the Appleman upended John Marshall by a final score of 60-14. to They did so with a big week on the offensive side of the ball in which they posted 554 yards of offense on the Monarchs. While watching the Appleman on film, you see very quickly just how efficient they are offensively. They are led by senior quarterback Trey Beard, who enters this week's game with 1,750 passing yards and more than 550 yards on the ground. Blake Hartman, who is their leading rusher, comes into the night with more than 1,000 yards, and he is also their leading receiver. Sebastian Oldham, a weapon that will line up all over the field for the Appleman, he comes into the evening with 500 yards of offense of his own. They do employ many of the same wing tee principles the Vikings do, only they run their offense exclusively out of the shotgun. They will also mix in some zone read running schemes from time to time. They will throw the football vertically, but not quite as efficient as some of our previous opponents in Parkersburg South and Riverside. The Appleman on the defensive side of the ball will be a stern test for our Vikings. Again, they are big and physical up front and will test that Viking running game. Their linebackers are fast and physical, and they play downhill rallying to the football as well as anyone we've faced this year. I expect to see the Appleman in a five-man front in hopes of slowing down that Viking running game, or they could show a four-man front and walk the safety down into the box for run support. One matchup that will be of note is up front for the Vikings. 
Their wing T style running attack utilizes a pulling guard on almost every play. One thing to note, the Appleman's defensive tackles on film do a great job of getting in the hip pocket of that pulling guard and following them to the point of attack, which will do a couple of things. One, it will clog up some of the running lanes for RJ. However, we do know how he is once he gets to the line of scrimmage and how efficient he is at making men miss in small places. That will give him opportunities to pop out the backside of the formation for big plays. So keep an eye on that as the night goes on. This defense is only giving up 18 points per game, at which point the question will become, can the Vikings continue to score at the clip they have of nearly 40 points per game? It's no secret this game is going to be a tough test for the Vikings. However, RJ and Evans says he and his teammates are up for the challenge. RJ, as we look at Musselman uh, this week, second round of the playoffs, big aggressive defense, uh, a team that rallies to the football pretty well. That should open up some uh, running lanes for you on the backside. Yeah, it should. They got a good defense, but if everything goes together like it should, then we should be able to run against them. Has it really hit you yet what you've been able to accomplish here at Ripley High School? Over 3,000 yards in your career, single season, uh, scoring later, you're at 130 points and counting right now this year. Um, that record you shattered. Um, you just continue to do things that uh, defy odds. And, uh, you know, you're not the biggest guy, but you're one of the fastest and probably one of the toughest guys that I've ever seen suited up at Ripley High School. Yeah, um, it's not over yet, so there's still things to accomplish, so I'm just going with it until it's over. How much fun has this senior year been for you? And, again, want to keep it going, but uh, a great group that you're graduating with this year and uh, just a, a heck of a football season. It's been really fun. Uh, there's going to be several things to miss whenever it's over, but I'm going to have fun until it is. Hopefully it ends with a trophy holding over your head. Oh, yeah. Thanks, RJ. Appreciate it. Next on Viking 360, we had a conversation with Mark Martin. He's the sports director of WCHS-TV and WVAH-TV in the Charleston-Huntington market and the 1979 graduate of Ripley High. Mark, we see your face on the evening newscast, but some may not know that you grew up as a diehard fan of the Ripley Vikings. Yeah, I sure did, Mike. 1968, I went to my... First football game that I remember, I think maybe I'd been to a few before that, but uh, Ripley Vikings played the Spencer Yellow Jackets. Terry Landis was the quarterback. They had Kenny Swisher, Dallas Wallen, Jay Chambers, Alan Humphrey, Mike McIntyre, just a great bunch of players. Ripley won that game 23 to nothing. Later that year, they would beat uh, Ravenswood in the hatchet game, 12 nothing. that big upset. So I was hooked. Uh, not only on Viking football, but just football in general from that moment on. And from that day on, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't think about Viking football. And probably there hasn't been a day since that I haven't thought about Viking football. <laughs> and, of course, you went on to wear the blue and white as a wide receiver during the coaching transition. You played for Steve Stoffel as a sophomore and then for Frank Marino, your junior and senior seasons. Yeah, it was a little different. You know, obviously uh, you, you hate losing a coach and certainly was very fond of Coach Stoffel. And uh, he was a, a great guy and a great guy to play for. Unfortunately, we didn't win a game our sophomore year, and they felt there needed to be a coaching change at Ripley. They bring in Coach Frank Marino, and obviously uh, the rest is history when you talk about Coach Marino. So, yeah, I always think it was, it was neat to be a part of uh, his first two teams 
there at Ripley. Uh, had, had just had wonderful memories of playing football for the Vikings, win or lose. Uh, got hurt my senior year, which kind of derailed some things that I hoped might happen. But, you know, when it's all said and done, uh, I would do it all again in a heartbeat, even if it turned out the same way. And after high school, despite uh, the injury that you mentioned, you had an opportunity an opportunity to continue playing football, ending up at uh, Marietta College. Yeah, I started out at Salem. I wanted to play college football and never really – uh, didn't think I could. Uh, I always, I always felt maybe I could, and you know, I liked to felt I was a fairly hard worker, and so I kept at it. And uh, went to Salem first. Uh, met up with a guy named Bill Stewart, uh, the late Bill Stewart. He was an assistant coach there, and just a wonderful person. And uh, he kind of, uh, you know, convinced me to come to Salem. Uh, Larry Blackstone was the head coach. Very fond of him. Still keep in touch with him. But unfortunately, Coach Stewart left. And uh, before I got to Salem, and then when I uh, was up there, I've never been in the hospital in my life, and I haven't been in the hospital since. But for the, I was up there the first week, and I spent three days in the hospital. Thought it was appendicitis. Ended up being maybe just some dehydration. But uh, I don't know. You know, when you're young, you sometimes start thinking maybe this isn't where I want to be. Uh, at the end of the semester, I decided to I'm going to make a change, and wound up at Marietta College and played three years there. And Again, uh, some tough times, uh, lost more games than we won, but uh, again, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Had a few uh, memorable moments. Uh, again, unfortunately, I just couldn't stay healthy, and that happens. That's football, but uh, I loved it and uh, very proud of that program at Marietta College. And, uh, you know, it's tough because there's no football at Salem anymore. So uh, I was probably on one of the last few teams they had there at that school. So, uh, you know, again, uh, playing college football, even at the small collegiate levels, uh, really a lot of fun and was very enjoyable. We're talking with Mark Martin, who was a 2006 inductee in the Viking Football Hall of Fame. Mark, football season, including the playoffs, is a busy time for you. Walk us through a typical weekend for you, beginning with your Friday evening coverage. Well, Friday evenings, we have been doing a high school football game of the week for probably about the last six years now. So, uh, you know, just getting ready for a game telecast, you know, Mike, you know, there's a lot that goes into that, a lot of preparation. So, uh, but I'll go to a stadium around three, four o'clock. I'll do all the evening newscasts to the six, the five, the five thirty, the six and the six thirty there, and then uh, do the game. And then hopefully if I'm not too far away from the studio, I'll get back and we'll do our Friday night football extra show, the highlight show uh, Saturday as I'm on the road or heading to at least to Huntington to do a Marshall football game, uh, part of the radio crew there. And uh, then uh, Sunday, you kind of catch your breath a little bit and uh, start off the next week because obviously the week also entails, you know, uh, anchoring four shows a day. I know it sounds like a lot. It is a lot, but it's, 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 a, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. It doesn't really seem like work. And you've been able to continue your connection with the Vikings by covering in the Jackson Herald. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. You know, I started writing for the Jackson Herald for the late Rick Simmons in 1979. Uh, when I came home for Christmas break, uh, my freshman year in college, my mother said uh, Rick had found out that I was majoring in communications. And he says, uh, and of course, my mother worked, my late mother worked for the police department in town. And so she saw Rick virtually every day. He'd stop by for, you know, to get whatever. And uh, he said, hey, have Mark give me a call. And I did. And he put me to work and worked there for a couple of years, went to the Ravenswood paper. And, of course, as you know, they've combined through the years. But, uh, yeah, since 1979, in some way, shape, or form, I've continued to write for uh, 
the local paper, you know, obviously got my radio start uh, uh, as a play-by-play guy with the local radio station, Ripley, and did, doing Ripley and Ravenswood games for C98. So uh, I owe a lot to uh, this area. I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you got to remember where you came from, and I've, I've tried never to forget that because I, I love Ripley, Jackson County, and certainly the state of West Virginia. Great, Mark. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. You've been listening to Mark Martin on Viking 360. Coming up on Viking 360, you may have known him as the popular longtime West Virginia University Extension agent for Jackson County or a volunteer of the Jackson County Junior Fair. Now he's an extension of Ripley High School football. Ed Smolder is next on Viking 360. Ripley football is fortunate to have one of those rare father-son duos on the coaching staff. We're talking football with the father's side of that relationship. Our welcome to assistant coach Ed Smolder. Thank you, Mike. I'm glad to be here. First, let's talk about your playing days. Ed, what was it like to come from a small high school in West Virginia and end up playing big-time college football in the Southeastern Conference? Mike, it was a dream come true for me. I was always a football nut growing up. I had very little desires in life <laughs> except play football like most kids. I thought I could be a West Virginia University Mountaineer. I thought I could be a Cleveland Brown offensive lineman, like had dreams like most kids in the 60s and 70s. But Charleston Catholic was a, was a blue-collar school in those days, and our football program was a proud tradition. We were two boys shy. Back in those days, they counted boys for – attendance for single A, double A, triple A classifications. We were two boys over the double A limit, so we were a double A school. We were two, two boys shy of being single A. We played in seven triple A schools. So we had a tough, tough, tough schedule in high school, and it really helped me out later in life. Now, football is a sport, and Rube, you know, that teaches life skills, hard work, pays off in life, and it pays off in football. It's, it's a game that we all love and hope we never lose it. It just, it just, I wouldn't be here with the football. And uh, I come full circle and uh, got to go to college, got to work in an ag field, ag degree, farming my whole life and still farming, but now I'm back to helping football again. So it's kind of been an interesting trip. And Ed, uh, you had some success on the college level at the University of Kentucky. Tell us about that. Very few people know about Kentucky football. This year they do. I guess they got hammered <laughs> this past weekend at Tennessee, but uh, Tennessee is a big rivalry. It took me several years to wear orange. I still still don't like orange. I have to wear it in deer season. But uh, it's kind of like the old Pitt W rivalry. It just it's Tennessee and, Pete and Kentucky people don't, don't get along very well. But no, I, was, I had a great. I was very fortunate to, to to be able to go to the University of Kentucky. It's land grant college, and they have agricultural degrees. And I was very fortunate to get a degree in plant science and soil science. I got the letter three years, never got redshirted. It's one regret. Uh, back in those days, we couldn't redshirt freshmen, redshirt sophomores. And I made a kickoff retain, return team, made a punt team my senior, my sophomore year, never got redshirted. So I lettered three years and started the offensive line, left guard for two years. And my last game was 1976 Peace Bowl. We beat North Carolina 21 to nothing. And the dream come true for me. I, th- I always thought I could go to Canada and play. But I didn't. I had a dream of going back home. I love West Virginia. I love the whole country roads thing. Never got a chance to play for Mountaineers. I got a chance to play against them my senior year. My sophomore year, they beat us up in Morgantown. 
I only played on special teams. My senior year, I was uh, made honorary captain. We beat WVU 14 to 10 at uh, Commonwealth Stadium. I got the game ball in my living room right now as I speak. <laughs> so it was a dream come true to play college football. And I got a college, I got an agricultural degree in the boots. So I came home and the rest is history. Now, Ed, you had a successful uh, career as an extension agent, and then you reached a point uh, when you decided it was time maybe to join your son on, on, the, on the coaching staff. And tell us about that conversation you had with Eddie. It was, you know, he always, Eddie coached, you know, at Ravenswood the first couple of years, and he coached, I think, about 10 or 12 years at Sissonville, and he ended up coming to his dream come to job at uh, Ripley High School. I'm very proud of my son. He, uh, he does a great job with young, young people. And parents out there, you're very fortunate to have my son. Uh, he's a tremendous role model and does an excellent job with kids. But, that, you know, he always asked me, assistant, if I wanted to help. I was too busy farming, and I had a pretty rough, tough job. I, and I worked and lived and lived a dream and walked a walk and talked talk, so to speak. I had a job that worked 60, 70 hours a week. And uh, when I finally retired and things turned around, he kept asking me. And, and I love the farm, but, you know, nowadays, full-time farming, I enjoy it, but this gets kind of lonely. <laughs> I do not have a farmhand, so this football gig's been good for me. Every afternoon, about 2.30, I come in, take a shower, and eat a bite of lunch, and I go to the football field, and hopefully I can teach you a few young men a few tricks and tips I learned in the Southeast Conference, playing Auburn and Florida at, at Swamp and Penn State at Death Valley. I mean, I've, I've been over the country, flew over this country, and I hope I can share my love for football and the work ethic I have with my kids on the football team. Ed, what is your role on the coaching staff in terms of positions? What is your role uh, at the, on the practice field and then on a Viking game night? Well, I mean, basically I try to uh, help with the special teams, obviously, because that's what got me on the field. I have a special interest in kickoff, kickoff return, and those type of You know, that's 20-some percent of a football game, special teams. So I take a little special pride and make sure we have enough guys on the field and try to coach them up on the special teams. We can't take for granted. Uh, of course, I help. Obviously, I help with offense line. That's my pet. That's my, I guess, my specialty is offense line. Cause I had a real good offense line coach in, in college. And technique wise, we were the best in the country. We used to watch films, by the way, Rube. We used to watch. We played Penn State, for example. We watched Ohio State Penn State game the week before. Our coach would man, he'd raise the devil with the way some of his other teams were coached and, and techniques they didn't have that we had. And we were techniqued up, and uh, that's the reason we were able to be 8-4 and four in the Southeast Conference. But now I try to use that every day. I'm offense line. I help Coach Sayer with the defense line. Defense, Coach Sayer is a defense coordinator, so I help defense line, help noses, and help defense ends. So it basically is the special teams, offense line, and, and defense line. This particular football team attended one season, ranked number five in the state of West Virginia. But having spent so much time with these young men, what is it about this group that has led them to the success that they're experiencing? Well, one thing, this is their, uh, their fourth year with Coach Smolder, my son, and their third year with me. Uh, I think it helps to have consistency, you know. I was very fortunate in high school and college both not to have any head coach changes. Um, the work ethic that Coach Smolder tries to instill in his kids and uh, it's paying off, it's obvious it's paying off. And they're a close group, a bunch of boys in their, on their behalf, on their, to their credit. Uh, I see from the freshmen in the locker room to the seniors in the locker room, there's no, there's no back-picking or a little bullying in the locker room. We have some that wouldn't have boys and men involved, but it's a really close-knit group of kids. 
And I see them really getting along well. And that means a lot. They're brothers. And Coach Smoda always preaches it. We're brotherhood. We ride together. We die together. That's what. That's the difference between football and other sports. Uh, we have, you know, we've had some soccer kids that kick for us, and they they really enjoy their football experience because the locker room. They say there's no nothing like any other sport in the world is being with a bunch of football guys. Because you live and die, ride and die in the heat in August to the frost in November. You're together till till's over. We're talking with assistant coach Ed Smolder, the father of Ripley head coach Eddie Smolder. These players, coach, they get the benefit of your years of knowledge, your experience, and learn your work ethic. But what, if anything, do you get in return from the young guys? Oh, just being around young people. It keeps you young. I'm 63 years young. <laughs> Every day I pick up something from these kids. Well, these kids, you know, with, with social media and, and the, new, the school system, they got, they got challenges, and hopefully I can offer them some some advice on, on, on how to study and how to be a man uh, with work ethic and, and, and use the same things we learn in football, use it in life, use it at home, use it in school, use it the rest of your life. That's what football is. That's what the football says, a fascinating sport. And these kids bring the energy to me every day, and I come to practice. I try to bring my A game to practice because we want them to have A game practice. I try to bring it every day. And long, long, how old I am, I don't know when I can keep it up, but so far I'm still going strong. These kids bring energy and enthusiasm to me every day, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Coach. Our guest on Viking 360 has been assistant coach Ed Smolder. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, we wrap up episode two of Viking 360. Uh, Rube, uh, we look back at last week, and, you know, I talked about it earlier in the, the segment, but what a tremendous win for the Vikings to knock off Greenbrier East, second time in a month. Very difficult to do that. Uh, talk about the, the performance of our Vikings that night. Well, I thought the the first half was as entertaining of a half of football that anyone will ever see. But in the second half, I, I think you saw the Vikings uh, eventually wear the Spark, Spartans down, and that led to the Viking victory in convincing fashion. Well, that victory leads us to Musselman this week, which is a long way from Jackson County. You know there'll be a lot of blue and white headed that way, uh, and it's going to be a tough test for the Vikings. This is a very good football team. This is a, a team with a very potent offense. They're 9-1 and one, just like we are, but we're down to the Elite Eight now, so there are no weak teams left, including Ripley. Rube, thanks. Uh, as we wrap it up here, make sure you uh, – if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you go out and hit the subscribe button, turn on your notifications on your phone so you will be aware whenever we – launch each episode we thank you guys for listening again until next time for mike rubin i'm brian johnson we'll see you around